Welcome to the ICANN Podcast, the podcast of the Indiana Catholic Conference. The Indiana Catholic Conference is the official public policy voice of the Catholic bishops of Indiana. All right, welcome back to the ICANN Podcast. This is Alexander. And Angela. And we're excited to be back for another week. We have all the updates, or the things, the bills the Catholic Conference has been following this past week. We'll talk about lending, we'll talk about housing, and we'll talk about fathers paying for pregnancy and childbirth expenses. And we'll, we'll let you know what, what those bills are, what bill numbers they are, and, and what we think about them. And a special shout out to anybody who's listening this week on Catholic Radio Indy. Again, a shout out to them and thanking them for their support of our podcast, getting it out to an audience, um, the, the Catholic Radio Indy audience. So thank you, Catholic Radio Indy. Uh, let's jump into our bills this week. So the first one that uh, saw some change, it didn't see movement, which we think is good, is 1547. And that's the bill that has to do with lending. This was one that Alexander testified on, and there were lawmakers who had several questions for him. Alexander, you want to tell, remind the people what this bill is about? Yeah, so this bill uh, would add a new product, a new subprime lending product, um, to what, what lenders currently could, could allow. And it also increased... Um, it increased some rates for larger subprime loans. And when we say subprime, we mean something that um, is is not in the market that most people would be looking at. It's people with low credit. Um, or no credit. Or no credit at all, yeah. And usually lenders will justify charging very high interest rates by calling this population someone, people who, who are very risky to lend to. Um, the this church often sees them as those who are most financially vulnerable. And just because someone doesn't have an established credit history doesn't mean they're risky. I mean, depending on where someone lives or the type of work that they do and if they can pay for their items in cash um, and never had a reason to have a credit card and pay an annual fee, for them that might have been the most financially prudent thing to do. Mm. But... If there's an emergency, such as a car breaking down, or they need to move and they need to put a deposit down or pay an application fee, that might make them seek a loan of anywhere from $500 to $2,500. And these type of people looking for these type of loans usually have to pay exorbitant interest rates. Mm -hmm. What was the interest rate on this one, Alexander? Uh, we were looking at about 36%. And you might have heard us talk before in previous years about how 36% is a number that we've we've shot for, especially in the payday lending industry, because the the allowances for interest in that at that level of lending is much higher than 36%. So we're hoping to lower it to 36%. In the, in the case with these subprime loans that we're talking about in House Bill 1547, it was going to increase it from I think it was about 22 to 25% all the way up to 36%. And that wasn't an APR because of different fees. It could actually be higher than 36%. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, we testified in opposition to the bill. And, and just as a reminder, uh, where the church is coming from on this, it's really interesting because 
at one point in the church's history, the, the church taught very clearly that charging any interest on a loan was the sin of usury. And I remember reading at one point this, this uh, I think it was from one of the early church councils, the, the bishops of that council were talking about how usurers should be like cast out of churches and like required to publicly repent with sackcloth and ashes outside of the church before they could be welcomed back into the church community. I mean, it was fascinating how the early church saw taking advantage of people while lending them money to help them. It was kind of like um, completely turning charity over on its head by saying, you have to pay me because I'm helping you. Um, so, so that's the, the foundation that we're coming from. And we have to apply that to our current, very complex, um, modern financial and arena. And there's also another, you know, there are other tenants. Um, greed yeah. is uh, an avarice, our deadly sins. Um, and after you get to a point where you've made your money and you continue to have these exorbitant fees, then you're basically stealing mm -hmm. from people who can least afford it. So there are a lot of sins wrapped up in some of these predatory loans, yeah. many of these predatory loans. I think you that's, that's so right. That's that's the root of where it comes from. Thou shalt not steal, right? Thou shalt not steal. Uh, so anyway, back to the, the bill. Uh, after the initial committee hearing, both sides offered their testimony. And uh, we, of course, testified in opposition, along with other advocates, those who were involved with housing, those who were involved with uh, charities, monetary charities. Yeah. Families. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I, I, I think this week the bill was scheduled for uh, in that same committee for additional amendments and possibly to vote out of the committee. But I, our assumption is that they didn't have enough yes votes on the committee to pass it out. So the hearing this week was canceled and, and we, we can kind of celebrate a little bit um, in gratitude for that and, and hope that in future years a conversation around lending is more of a, a give and take. Uh, between two opposing interests as a as opposed to simply the lenders um, asking for something and not including those who advocate for those who are most financially vulnerable. There was a lot of good testimony, um, non-for-profits who have lending programs, and one testified that their interest rate is only 22% and the default rate is under 5% or right around 5%. And... There were people who listened to that. You know, when you have someone saying that they have a successful program at 22%, and then someone say, we need 36%, but actually more than 36% if you count all our fees, um, I think that gave them pause. And we're very glad that for now it's a dead bill. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to our next one. Uh, it's Senate Bill 202. This one has to do with housing and the relationship between landlords and tenants. And I think Angela's been pretty involved in this one. Yes, today there was a press conference and um, there was press there. And so you may see me on Wish TV um, <laughs> talking about the press conference and why this was important. Um, one of the things, uh, landlords and tenants have an unbalanced relationship in the state of Indiana. 
while a lease is a contractual agreement that you know a landlord would provide a place that's habitable and provide certain services or utilities depending on how the lease is written um, then the tenant has the responsibility to pay if the landlord doesn't live up to what it says in the lease it's not habitable because of mold or rodents or infestation of insects or the utilities aren't working or the appliances and you don't have any like a refrigerator that doesn't work and you can't keep food um, the tenant has very little recourse uh, if they don't pay their rent they can be evicted and an eviction stays on their record for seven years mm -hmm. um, what 202 was going to do was if there were situations like I mentioned the extreme ones you know utilities not working rodent infestation, mold, things that were dangerous and mm -hmm. inhabitable, then the tenant could place their money in a court-ordered escrow account. And when the landlord fixed the property, then they would get their money. The bill had a provision. If the, it, Just to clarify, the landlord would get the money, right? Not yes, the tenant. The right. landlord. Right, right, I'm right, sorry. Right. Mm -hmm. Landlord would get their money. Mm -hmm. uh, it had a provision. If they took too long, then the court could maybe detract some of the money and give it back to the tenant. Um, the landlord-tenant situation, even though it's a legal contract, a lease, it's one of the few situations if you pay for something and you don't get what you paid for, you have no recourse. Mm -hmm. There's so many places in our life where if we're not happy with a service or something that we bought, we can return it, we can ask for a refund. Um, I was telling Alexander before I cut the cord on cable, when my cable went out for a few days, AT&T gave me a refund on the days that I didn't have service because I did not get what I contracted for and what I had paid for. Housing, where you're trying to make a home, where you're trying to be safe and provide for your family, it's the biggest expense. Those at the lower income level, they pay between 50 and 80% of their monthly income to their housing expenses. Mm -hmm. So you pay that much and it's inhabitable. Mm -hmm. Good landlords should not be afraid of this bill. If there's a reason why maintenance has fallen you know, behind because lack of staffing, we see signs everywhere where people are looking to hire people or because you know the part to repair the refrigerator because supply chain issues that's reasonable the money will be waiting for the landlords when they fix the problem but it's unfair to ask people to continue to pay and their issues not be addressed mm -hmm. only slum landlords would fight against this reasonable respectable business people and we had test we had testimony that would have been given but was um, announced at the press conference, there were two landlords that said they welcome this mm -hmm. because they'd like to see the bad landlords be pushed out. Great. So really quick, we'll talk about our last bill, 1009, House Bill 1009. Uh, this bill would require a father in a court order. Uh, it could, a father could be required, I should say to pay for at least half of the pregnancy and childbirth related expenses that the mother of his child children incurs. incurs. And what the, um, what the author of this bill was looking at is there's so many things that uh, a mother and baby or babies need when they leave the hospital. Crib, car seat, if she's nursing, a pump, um, if not nursing, formula, and having 
and not having to wait to go through, you know, the child support proceedings, which could take an additional six weeks or so. Um, there is a little bit of conflict with this because it says 50, at least 50 percent in the current child support bills uh, or law. I'm sorry. The, the current child support law is based on the father's income. And so child support might be a percentage of income. And so to say someone is 50 percent to some people that may seem to be rewriting an aspect of the child support law. So we'll have to see where that ends up. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, that's all we have for you this week. And uh, we hope you enjoy these podcasts. Hope you continue to listen and check out our ICANN report as always uh, for details on all the bills that we didn't talk about in the podcast that we're looking at during this 2023 session. Tell a friend, stay engaged, be involved, advocate, bring morality into the public forum. We need it. Amen. Thank you all and God bless. God bless.